morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, I'm glad you braved the, the cold and the airflow through the building to, to be here. Um, this morning, I, I was I, um, actually looking at my Facebook memories, and this verse popped up on there, and I thought it was very appropriate as we begin a study in a new book. Uh, it's Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. It says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so as we begin today, uh, I just want us to, to remember that Daniel can be hard. Prophecy is hard. Um, it's, it can be very confusing. It can be very overwhelming, um, intimidating. But no matter what, the word of God does not return empty. There will be, uh, he will accomplish his purpose through that. And that's, um, that's what we want to, to remember as we study. So, welcome to our study of Daniel. Um, this is the lesson that I apologize in advance. It's not going to be as much fun. It's more facts and details, but I promise it gets better. Uh, I am, you can ask Ray, I will sit down at dinner over the last couple of months and I'm like, Ray, you won't believe what I read today. And, and just the excitement of what we can learn from Daniel, even the prophecy parts, is, um, and, and just how well it relates to what we're experiencing in our, in our world today. Uh, it, it's just exciting. So I'm going to start and I'm going to tell you do not be overwhelmed by this thick stack of papers. Um, to let you know, the last, what, uh, 40 or 50 of the pages are just a, a printout of the book of Daniel itself. Um, and, and that's so that we can write in it, you can move it around, pull it. We put it in a three ring binder this time, thinking that, that it'd be good to be able to pull pages out, put them you know, move things around as needed and then be able to put them back at different points. So that's part of why we chose to do what we did this week or this semester. Um, and so, so don't get too concerned with the volume of papers. We're, we'll get there. Um, so just, yeah. We're going to look into some, what some of those are. Uh, but. But before we, um, this, th it will also, being in a three ring binder will let us add your homework pages into the binder as well. And so that it's, it's all in one place all together. Um, for those who may be new to this type of study or who may just need a refresher, we're gonna be looking at a, um, using a method that's more called an inductive Bible study. I don't do the whole thing. Uh, I've never done the whole thing. I tried the whole thing twice. It's a lot. But um, 
but I've taken pieces and aspects that are really good, really helpful, and we're going to use some of those concepts as we, as we study. Most of what I do use is based on K. Arthur's book, uh, How to Study Your Bible. And the, her goal is really to be able to understand the meaning of a passage by looking at the Bible, looking at the Word, focusing on the Word. And so um, there are several different techniques that she uses. Find what works for you. It, it is not a one-size-fits-all. I'm a very visual person, and so what I do may be different from what someone who's very uh, wordy does. You know, you may be more of a note-taker. Do what works for you. Use this as a guide, not as a strict set of rules. Um, the ultimate goal, the thing that I hope we all can do, is, is to just slow down and dig deep. That's the, the ultimate goal. Um, there are three aspects of the inductive Bible study method. The first is observation. That's really the, what does this passage say? Um, there's interpretation. That's what does this passage mean? And then there's application, or how does this passage apply to me? What, ch what should change for my life because I studied this passage? Um, the biggest portion of this that we're going to be using is, is, is observation. That's what you're going to be doing a lot more of on your own. Um, with your homework questions, with reading, you're going to be um, observing your text. If you look in your handouts, you will see there's a page like this for each chapter. And I have it on the screen over there. Um, I figured out what page number it was. Page number two in your, uh, in your handouts. And this is really just to sort of help us to, to focus our observation. So we want to ask those, those five W's and an H of any passage that we're studying. Um, I think, yep. So we have the who. That's the who wrote it, or the who said it, or the who are the characters, or to who is it being written, or, or uh, about whom is it, is it talking. Then there's the what. What is happening? What is the major teaching? What, was, what, what did they talk about? And then there's the when. When, it was it, when was it written? When was it said? When will he do it? Um, where? Where are they talking about? Or where did this happen? Um, the why. Why would they do this? Why did this need to be written? And then the how. How, how was this accomplished? How was this done? So on your handout, there's room. Let me see. I think I put the handout in there. Yeah. On your handout, there's room there at the top for you to answer each of those questions. Just to let you know, you may not have an answer to all of those questions every single chapter. There may not be a clear where or or there may not be a clear when, and that's okay. 
it's this is again just to be used as a guide um, you'll still want to ask each of these questions for yourself but if there's not an answer that's okay um, so below that below those five W's and an H is something that says keywords and then there's key verses and ideas the keywords that was the the extra handout that I thought I had included in the book but I had not um, again these are just suggestions um, I looked at three different lists. There's one online resource that I look at sometimes that has markings, but then there were two different K. Arthur studies that had two different sets of, like, most of the words were similar, but um, the, the symbols that they used were different. Don't get stuck on the symbols. These are just suggestions. If you don't have a red pen, use pink. I, it doesn't matter. Use use something else. The key is just to sort of be able to identify the differences in those things. Um, let me see. I may have. Yeah, that one. See, is that's on your screen is completely different than the one that I handed out. <laughs> um, and so, I do recommend at the top of yours. I put references to time, locations, and God. Um, I do recommend no matter what you decide to do that you at least mark those three things and 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 that's part of why we gave you the printed out version with the wide the, the wide spacing the the extra margin was so that you could make notes write in be, become a part of what um, what the book of Daniel has um, but what I want you to do on your um, oh yeah. Then it would look something like this. This is from uh, Daniel chapter two, actually. But um, it'll. It, I can then look and see by looking at that at that page in my in my Bible. I can see who's talking who the conversation is between. I can see that they're talking about dreams and interpretation of the dream. I don't have to read the whole thing to, to be able to identify the, the main idea of what's going on in, in that paragraph. Um, it's just sort of to, to help you uh, just get ideas for that. But on that portion of the handout, this is where you can, if, if you're more not a visual person and highlighting isn't your thing, where you can just say, well, dream was repeated a whole lot. And you can just write down the word dream. I saw dream a lot. I saw interpretation a lot. I saw magician a lot. Um, and just sort of so that you're keeping an idea, you're observing what's going on in that passage of scripture. Um, the, uh, let me put it on here or not. Yeah. That, the spot for key verses and ideas, that's also where you can just sort of, um, 
when we're thinking about theme, we'll get to that in a little bit. But that's another place where if you're thinking, oh, in, um, I want to say in Daniel 3, it's verse 18, but I may be wrong with the verse reference. But it's the, the that's the fiery furnace story. And that's the, the verse where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, our God can do it, but even if he doesn't, he is good. And that's where you think, oh, that's a key concept in that, in that chapter. I'm going to write down Daniel 3, 18. You know, that's, that's what that's for, just so that you can look back and you can think when you're coming up with what the theme is, you can look in that box and just sort of be like, oh, that's a good idea. I forgot that that was in here, but I, really, I, I was really drawn to that. That's what that's for. Um, that, the back side of that page where it has, where it's the second page there on the screen, the, a verse to remember, um, totally optional, but if you are one that likes to memorize scripture and that's what helps you to learn it, pick a verse from the chapter, write it out there, work to memorize it for the week. Um, and then with the interpretation and the application, if you come up with something, that's awesome. Fill it in. If not, some of that's what we're going to be talking about. So next week, we'll, we'll talk about Daniel chapter 1, and we'll be doing some of that in our, in our large group discussion time. And so don't feel like that has to be answered. Um, but some of those questions that were on the other handout that, that was separate from your um, page, which I did not grab a copy of, the list of questions are also going to help you to think about that interpretation, that what does it mean, and that application, how is my life changed because of this? Or how should my life change because of this? So that's what, that's what that is sort of there, again, just as a guide. Use it as, as you see is going to be helpful for you. Um, and then those small group, or those Homework questions, like last semester, the, the goal will be to uh, discuss those in your small group time. For a few weeks, at least, we'll have our small group as a big group. Um, and, and just because right now I think there are two out of six possible small group leaders that are here today. So um, just COVID and non-COVID reasons, but uh, we're just going to going to be as one group for our discussion for a couple of weeks. But as you all know, I have been uh, known to completely change up the small group questions as well. So that's always a possibility. You know, got to follow God. <laughs> um, so that's the, the big plan. In your handouts as well after you get through those first 12 pages of the um, what I'm calling your observation worksheets you'll get to, to three pages so I've got page 26 You're, you'll get to some pages that are um, three of them are lists for you to make and then there's a few other there's a timeline and a map and some stuff like that in terms of the the um, the lists, these are 
these are things that as you're reading and as you're studying and as you're observing, you're going to see several different names of God mentioned, a whole bunch of attributes of God mentioned. And we want to find one place to put them all together so that you can look back and you can say, in the book of Daniel, God is referred to as the Most High God. God is referred to as Ancient of Days. God is referred to as, and, and you'll have a whole list of, of all of these things, of, of things we see about God in the book of Daniel. And then the next one, you've got what you learn about Daniel. And then um, I, I called it earthly kings. That's Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus. Be sure you label which one's which <laughs> as you're marking that list. Um, but just a, a way for you to see the way that a godly man acts and behaves and the way that earthly kings act and behave so that you can see the difference in those two and just be, um, be touched by those. So, so anything, um, if you want to, feel free to put a verse reference next to those things. Um, maybe if you want to, who called God that particular name, it's interesting to see who it is that actually gives God the name most high God and and to see the who get who calls God by the name of of um, not the word sovereign there's another word that he uses but the revealer of mysteries and who it is that calls God those names and it's just an interesting thing to to look at um, and then the final thing we're gonna look at from your handouts is the Daniel at a glance chart. This is something that for those who did Ruth are gonna be a little familiar with. We used, uh, we used this for Ruth as well. Um, the, I added on a couple of columns for this one and I had it marked, hang on, page 34. I knew it was there in the middle. Um, I added on a, a, a couple of extra columns. I put kings, so that's which king might be served, be the king of Babylon or, or Persia. Write that in there just so you can sort of keep track of when, when they are. Um, segment divisions is more the bigger, broader thing that we're gonna talk about in just a minute. So, um, so I'll explain that one, that part, but um, we're going to talk more about theme next week as we look at Daniel 1. We're going to look at it more specifically. But just as you're thinking about it this week, uh, just a re refresher again, theme is the central message of the chapter. This is the part that takes you from strictly observation into beginnings of interpretation because you're looking at it and you're saying, what did the author want me to know? Um, the theme is not usually stated directly, and there can be more than one theme. There is not just one right answer. Um, I finally convinced Andrew that it was okay to take the poster board. He does our, he empties our trash, and it was last week.
that he finally recognized that it was okay to take the poster board for Ruth chapter one that had our list of theme ideas, and there were probably 10 or 12 on that page, uh, that it was finally okay to take that to the trash because it could not be you, you couldn't write over top of 10 or 12 ideas of Ruth, right? And so he, he but, but there were 10 or 12 that were all right. They were all correct answers for what the theme of Ruth chapter one was. Um, a theme will generally be a sentence, not just a word. Uh, it's gonna be a significant idea or statement that the story is making about a topic. And it's gonna focus on the deeper meaning or the message that the reader is meant to consider. So you wanna to sort of, when you're thinking about theme, you wanna think, sort of ask yourself the question, what does the author want me to recognize from this passage? You know, the theme of one of Aesop's fables is the moral. You get to the end and the, the moral of the story is, you know, slow and steady wins the race. The theme of a parable of Jesus is the lesson that he's trying to teach, right? So each week, you're gonna want to think about the theme of the chapter you're studying. You're gonna wanna fill it in on this chart. If possible, add a verse reference. Um, that would be phenomenal. Um, so, but those are sort of just some of those general things that we're gonna be looking at as methods, as, as techniques for observing the text so that we can dig in deeper and slow down and study this for ourselves. Um, so let's dig in. Let's start filling in some information about Daniel. Um, I f if, if you look on your at-a-glance chart, um, I've got book theme, which we will deal with at the end. And then I put author, and for some reason, date and purpose did not make it onto the ones that's printed although it did make it onto the one that I printed out for myself. So I have no idea what happened, but if you wanna just pencil in date and purpose there on your chart, um, you, yeah. The, so the easiest thing to look for for Daniel is the author. The book is traditionally believed to be written by Daniel, the Jewish exile and prophet. And so you just wanna fill in Daniel. Um, there are some that do debate that as this is being written later because of some of the language used. Uh, but as we will see in this study, the, the Babylonians and later the Persians kept detailed historical records. Um, they would have, and, and in those records, they talk about all these different people from different civilizations that have come into Babylon, into Persia, and and Daniel would have become familiar with their language and word usage. He didn't have to wait for it to make it all the way to Jerusalem to learn those, the, those cultural things. Uh, so widely, the widely accepted belief is that Daniel was the author of the book. And so, for the, so that's, that gives us our author. And then we have date. Um, for the date of the book, we're gonna go to the book itself. I think, Paula, did I give you Daniel 1, you 1 and 2? So. Yours is the only one I remember which person got which verse, so. 
Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Yeah, so we see that, um, that reference to time if you can't see it on the keywords thing, it looks like a little clock. That's why it's a circle with those little lines in it. That's where you would put the in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim. You could mark that with the little clock if you wanted to. But then we look at it and we're like, well, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, what does that really mean? Well, the good news is right next to your at-a-glance chart, you have a timeline. <laughs> The timeline, um, I know the print is small. You've got to put a whole lot of information onto one small piece of paper. It can be a challenge. So pull out a magnifying glass to read it. But um, that, that third year of the reign of Jehoiakim lines up with 605 BC. So we want to put, that's the first, that's the start of, of the book of Daniel. Um, and then somebody has Daniel 10, verse 1. I do. Okay. In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. The message was true and was about a great conflict he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. And so in, in Daniel chapter 10, we see that it then takes place in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, spoiler alert. Um, king Cyrus of Persia has now taken over the, the land of Babylon. So from our timeline, that falls at uh, 536 BC. So our dates for the book are 605 to 536 BC. So this covers almost 70 years of Daniel's life. He would have been an old man as he finished his ministry as a prophet to the foreign kings. But for as we look for so we have the author, we have the date. Um, as we look to the purpose of the book, we're gonna, we're gonna take a little bit of a pause, which is going to, to go together too, but um, to, to the purpose as well. But, but Daniel has two distinct parts. And this is that segment, what do I call it? Segment divisions that you, you can mark in your, in, in that at-a-glance chart. That first part of Daniel, Daniel chapters one through six, is the, the historical, the narrative portion. This is the, the happenings of the life of Daniel and his three friends. This is kind of the, the, um, the easy, the fun part of, of the book of Daniel. Um, 
Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapters 8 through 12 were written in Hebrew. And so that's something else you can mark on your thing if you want to. Um, we're going to look at why in just a minute. But the second part of the book is the is chapter 7 through 12. Those are prophecy. Those are some of those apocalyptic visions that Daniel himself had. Um, so those, those are the two main breakdowns. You've got the historical and the, the prophecy portions. But then you've got those two different languages. You've got Hebrew and you've got Aramaic. Hebrew would have been the, the um, uh, language of the Jewish people. It would have been the language of the, of the Jewish population of, of God's people. Aramaic was the language of, of kind of um, the language of the world, sort of the one that that official decrees were written in. Um, most of Daniel's daily communication while in Babylon and Persia would have been in Aramaic. So, so Aramaic was, was written, uh, was used with the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and Hebrew was used for the Jews. And so when we think about the fact that there are two different languages used in this book, we have to think about the fact that there are kind of two different audiences for the book. So, so our purpose is kind of twofold um, in, in knowing that there is a Jewish audience for the introduction part where we're setting the stage for, for who Daniel is and what he's doing in Babylon and for those last couple of prophecies in chapters 8 through 12. And then there's the Gentile audience, the Babylonian and Persian audience for chapters 2 through 7 that, that it's trying to, and that's the beginning of some of that um, prophecy as well, that, that the purpose, the purpose is, is to communicate these things to both audiences, to make it known, to make God's plan known to the people of, of the world at that time. So, um, the, the, the Hebrew portions were, were more for the Jewish people. Je chapter 1 discusses the fate of Daniel and his three friends. Chapters 8 through 12 speak of the fate of the Jewish people, uh, while chapters 2 through 7 are more to the Babylonian and Persian audiences. So, so now we've sort of got the great big overview. And so let's let's sort of break down and, and we're gonna I'm gonna reread um, Daniel one oh there it is. Daniel one one through two had it marked at one point, but where it says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of, king of Judah, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, 
to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And so to set the stage for the book, um, you can, if you want to take notes, you can use that, the page that wasn't, that just says intro notes. It would have been the extra handout, one of those extra handouts in your thing. So who is involved in these two verses? Let me see, I think I put it on here. Yeah, sorry. Who is involved in these two verses? Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim, who was the king of of Judah, and who else? And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. That's the who. We're going to learn more about um, King Nebuchadnezzar as we continue our study, but um, but we're going to take just a minute and look a little more closely at King Jehoiakim, king of Judah. And so I gave somebody 2 Kings 23, 36 through 37. Lisa. <clears throat> Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother's name was Zebedah, daughter of Hadiah. She was from Rumah, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, just as his predecessors had done. So what do we learn from those verses about Jehoiakim? He was young. He was young, 20, 25, when he came to power. So he was young. What else? His, his mother's name? <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce it either, but I had a pastor who would say, if you just pronounce it with confidence, nobody has any idea. So we're going to go with Zebedah as his mother's name. What else? He was evil. He did evil things. And he and he reigned for 11 years. So we know we know how long he reigned. Um, and so then so that's kind of our who, right? That's our who for our, our introduction. We know that it's King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and King Jehoiakim of Judah, and King Jehoiakim was evil. He was young and he was evil. So then when does it take place? We already sort of talked about this one, but when does it say? Because if so if we're back at our Daniel passage. third year of the reign of Jehoiakim. And, and so we said that was 605 BC. When we looked on our timeline, that was 605 BC. And where did this particular set of verses happen? Happen. It says they, Babylon. the king of Babylon, but he came to where? He came to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at Jerusalem and then what happened? What happened to Jerusalem? It was overthrown. It was overthrown, besieged, conquered. Whatever, whatever word you want to use, they lost, right? Uh huh. Okay, so I I don't really like timelines in that, and I'm sorry to be D U M B, but it says in the third year. So 
how did he reign 11 years if it was only in the third year of his reign? That's what I don't understand. So he, he they when they besieged Jerusalem, okay. he was still, I, I had to do the same okay. thing. <laughs> he was still um, sort of given uh, power, in okay. quotes. Okay. He ruled, but not really. Um, I can't remember if, I don't think it's in this one, but it may be. Yeah, so there were three total, I, I do have the note in here. Okay, good. There were three total sieges of Jerusalem. The first one was the one in 605 BC. Okay. Uh, the second one is 597 BC. That's in Second uh, Chronicles 36 verses 9 and 10, which I did not have us read. So if you would like to read more about that, that's Second Chronicles 36, 9 and 10. And then the third is in 586 BC. That's the one when the temple is destroyed. Um, and that is in Second Chronicles 36, 17 through 21. So he was still officially in power, but he really had no, no power. This first one, um, they just came and they won, and so they took all, all sorts of people with them took the things of God, the, the, the vessels, uh, which we'll talk a little bit more about next week. Um, so, so, uh, so we did the when, we did the who, the when, and the where. So then the what is the Nebuchadnezzar, that's what we were talking about, Nebuchadnezzar took over Jerusalem. He took the vessels from the temple and took them to the land of Shinar. This was something completely interesting that none of you will probably enjoy the way that I did, but I found this very intriguing. Sandy, was it you I gave Genesis 11 to? So we've got Genesis chapter 11, verse 2. And if you look at the heading on Genesis 11, 2, it's the Tower of Babel. So. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar there. So the people that were getting ready to build the Tower of Babel found Shinar and decided that was the place to live. Um, I have a map somewhere. We'll see. Was that next? Ha! I did put it. Shinar is present-day Iraq. That is also where Babylon was. Uh, where the city itself, not that whole thing is the empire, but the city itself was located. So it was just interesting to me to see that the, this land of Shinar, even from Genesis chapter 11, they weren't really followers of God. They, they weren't ones that wanted to submit to God, right? Think about the story of the Tower of Babel. They wanted, they wanted to be equal to God, and so so then we we see Babylon, and we shouldn't be surprised. Um, so that was just the little random side note that, um, yeah. <laughs> but but then so we've got the the we've got the who, the when, the where, the what, 
And then, and then the how. How did this happen? What are those first few words of verse 2, of Daniel 1, verse, verse 2? And the Lord, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his, his being Nebuchadnezzar's hand. God let it happen. That's the how. God let it happen. But then we look, well, why in the world... Why in the world would God let Jerusalem, let his people fall to these people from Shinar who are not God followers? So we can't get an, an easy answer to that from just these two verses. But there's this great thing that, that God gave us the whole Bible and not just the book of Daniel so that we can learn that. So um, we already looked at, at 2 Kings uh, 23. We saw that Jehoiakim was not a good king. Um, and then I believe I gave somebody 2 Chronicles 36, 5 through 8. Kristen. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, his God. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, attacked him and bound him with bronze shackles to take him to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also took to Babylon articles from the temple of the Lord and put them in his temple there. The other events of Jehoiakim's reign, the detestable things he did, and all that was found against him are written in the books of the kings of Israel and Judah. And Jehoiakim, his son, succeeded him as king. So here we see, that's sort of the Jewish version. We have the Babylonian version of what happened. And now we have the Jewish version of what happened, of that same event. Um, but, but we see again, he was evil. He was an evil king. But Israel had a lot of bad kings. So why, why would God let Jerusalem fall this time? And so we're going to take a look at Jeremiah 25, verses 1 through 11. For the record... Before you ask, because I asked this question, I know that this says the fourth year of Jehoiakim is the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel says the third year of Jehoiakim is the first year of Nebuchadnezzar. This is not an error in your Bible um, or in the Bible as a whole. This is not the only time we will see this in the book either, um, but the Babylonians and the Jews counted their years differently in terms of when the year of the reign began. Uh, Daniel wrote from the Babylonian perspective. Jeremiah is from the Jewish perspective. Trust me on this one. Although if you're really interested, I had to go to Dr. Sheard, and we had a good chat about that, and you can fully grasp the concept in a discussion with him. So, yes. I'm going to never sleep. I told Ray, I said, I said, Ray, I'm, I'm struggling with this particular thing right here. This is a problem for me. And he goes, Ask Dr. Sheard, and I was like, perfect. <laughs> and so, and Dr. Sheard answered it. He knew just what to tell me, and it all made sense. So just trust me or go to Dr. Sheard and ask him. So. 
Okay, so the caption above says, 70 years of captivity. The word came to Jeremiah concerning all the people in Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So Jeremiah the prophet said to all the people of Judah and to all those living in Jerusalem, for 23 years from the 13th year of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. Huh. <laughs> Sounds familiar to myself, right? And though the Lord has sent all his servants, the prophets, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid any attention. They said, Turn now, each of you, from your evil ways and your evil practices, and you can stay in the land the Lord gave to you and your fathers forever and ever. Do not follow other gods to serve and worship them. Do not provoke me to anger with what your hands have made. Then I will not harm you. But you did not listen to me, declares the Lord, and you have provoked me with what your hands have made, and you have brought harm to yourself. Therefore the Lord Almighty says this, because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and an everlasting everlasting ruin. I will banish from them the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, the sound of millstones and the light of the lamp. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So why? Why did God let Jerusalem be taken captive? Evil and sin. Evil and sin. They did not obey, right? They ignored Jeremiah's words calling them to righteousness. They ignored, if you look on your timeline there at the top, there are some other um, prophets listed in their their times as well growing up when i didn't want to listen to what my sisters were trying to tell me i would put my hands over my ears and i'd sing the the smurfs theme song the la 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 because then you couldn't hear what they were trying to say the nation of israel really uh at this point it was the southern kingdom of, of judah at this point they didn't just ignore jeremiah they covered their ears and they sang loud songs in his face to show him that they had not only didn't want to hear him, they had no interest in his words or in the words of God. That's the why. That's why we are where we are in Daniel. So, so Jeremiah then goes on in that passage, and if you want to uh, just to... to if you wanted to write it down, it's Jeremiah 25, 1 through 11. Um, but Jeremiah goes on to tell them that this will last for 70 years. And in 70 years, he, where he will punish the Babylonians. For the record, some of your Bibles may say Babylonians, some may ch say Chaldeans. They mean the same thing, exactly the same thing. Um, God used an evil nation to try to open the eyes of the Jewish people to the evil that they were doing. So ladies, this week, 
we learned that both the executive and legislative branches of our federal government will be controlled by the Democratic Party. Based on my Facebook feed, that has many Christians afraid, and at the very least, very concerned. But I want to encourage you for a minute, as we study the book of Daniel throughout this semester, as we dig deep into the word of God, and as we see and take a look at how Daniel is going to apply to our lives, we are going to see a sovereign God that is not surprised by anything. Not only is he not surprised by anything, he can, can and does make things happen, even causing, uh, even causing Jerusalem to fall to an evil empire filled with idol worshipers. But God uses it for the good of his people and for his glory. God is still on the throne. God is still in complete control even when we think the world, or at the very least, our nation is in chaos. In John 16, Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tri tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And when we think about our year-long theme uh, for our women's ministry, our, our, our theme of chosen, being chosen, um, my, my personal word for 2021 is sovereign. I'm not very pleased with this word. God and I had a fight over it, but he won, as usual. Um, we're thinking about being chosen, thinking about God's sovereignty, made me think about uh, Esther 4.14b. And it's, it's where she says, where, where uh, he says, and who knows whether you, Esther, have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God knows what he is doing in our government and in our churches and in each of our own lives. God chose you to be who you are and where you are, knowing that the events of this week would happen, and he wants you here for such a time as this. So let's pray. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be together. Uh, I thank you for the way that you have put things into place for us to be looking at the book of Daniel at a time that, that our nation feels very out of control. And God, I just, I just Pray that you would open our eyes to the lessons you would have us to learn from Daniel over, over the next few months, and that you would open our eyes to, to what we need to be doing in our own lives and how we need to be changed because of our study of the book of Daniel. God, just be with us uh, as we go uh, about our weeks. Help us to stay safe, help us to stay healthy, uh, and just, just be with us and lead and guide us. Amen.